Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Guys, I'm really excited to have Robin here with us today. Um, Robin is an adopted mama and also a, a life coach, and she embraces Brene Brown and has certifications through her and all of those things. And so, uh, you know, who doesn't love that, right? Um, one of her things that she does is coaches adoptive parents and helps them raise their children well. And so she's also an author. And so I'm just excited to hear kind of her whole journey of everything. So if we could start at the very, not at the very beginning, but with your adopted your adoption. That would be amazing. All right. Thank you, Laura, for having me. Um, I am a biological child that adopted um, with my husband 33 and 30 years ago. And um, we went through an agency loving alternatives in the East Texas area. And um, I was very starry eyed. I didn't know anything. And I would have sworn to any my on my life at the time that there were no differences in adoptees and biologicals. Uh, I certainly couldn't imagine loving them any differently. And um, we um, battled infertility through a lot of testing. The doctor said, you know, there's 3% in the nation that we have no answers for. Everything looks like it should work, but it's not. So, you know, go home and think about that. Maybe consider adoption. So, um, it took us a while, me especially, to get to that. And um, But when we welcomed our infants at two days old and five days old, um, you know, two days for the older one and five days old for the second, um, it was just magical. I couldn't imagine the the blessing and the excitement was so high, the anticipation the expectations were through the roof. You know, they were going to be walking on the moon and discovering, you know, winning Nobel prizes and, you know, (laughs) all that stuff (laughs) that I guess every parent uh, dreams about. And I just didn't know that there were any differences. And I think, you know, their infancy was amazing. And I homeschooled to eighth grade And so we got to travel a lot. We read voraciously. I felt like travel was such a great way to learn. And um, so we did a lot of that. My husband was a pilot with Southwest Airlines at the time. And so it was easier for us to do that than a lot of people would. But we drove too. We just, you know, we read all the Laura Ingalls books and drove to all those places she lived and you know, reenactments and all that stuff and and just had a wonderful school time for them. Uh, When they got to uh, ninth grade, they went into public school and I became an involved parent uh, with the booster club and sat on the bleachers for show choir and all that stuff. Uh, Then they went to the colleges of their choice in different states and um, they got you know, full tuition scholarships one way or the other uh, with grades and performance. And it was just great. You know, I thought, wow, 
uh, see, I was right. There's nothing, nothing to see here. <laughs> no difference. <laughs> yeah. It sounds pretty magical. It does. It, it's just, you know, uh, even when I wrote the book, the editor said, really no different, you know, you didn't find any differences. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm just being honest. It was really fantastic. Um, I think the rub came. Um, I mean, of course we saw, you know, puberty angst and all that teenage stuff, but I just, you know, we weathered it like everybody else. We had close friends and um, their kids were, you know, kind of angsty, but nothing really big. Um, So I just thought, Hey, this is just what I thought. And then um, when they got back from college and they sort of seemed to be looking to us to map up their lives. That was not expected. And I was like, wow. Um, I, you know, we were all living together, which was uncomfortable because now, you know, you have four adults in the home and we were all trying to find our, our way. Uh, they were trying to find their way in the world. We were trying to figure out what's our place as parents. And it was just not, you know, it was uncomfortable for a while. And, um, one of them had a, a bad breakup and I write about this in the book. Um, and it just caused our family, uh, a lot of, um, there was just a wake of emotion left by all of that. And it was just, it really threatened the fabric of our family, um, without going into a lot of detail, uh, about, all that just trust me when I say it was a rough rocky time so at at that point I I started asking myself what have I missed about adopt maybe it's adoption maybe there's something that I I missed and you know I say that and it's kind of embarrassing and and I'm also funny because it turns out I missed quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> quite a bit, a huge body of evidence that went by me in the stream and I didn't know I should look for it. Um, But I started reading, I started interviewing people kind of on the side, not really thinking about writing a book at that time. I was just trying to learn and figure out what, is there anything different uh, about adoptees? Is there anything going on in their souls that I don't know about that I should know about? And, and so uh, in that process, I I started reading things uh, for the first time. I was considering there might be a difference, and that's why I never read anything. Not that there was a lot to read, honestly, back then. Uh, there's more coming out now than there was then. But, um, yeah, that's, that's when I really started learning. <laughs> well, can you tell us kind of some things you learned? Because I, I listened to your story, and then I'm – Honestly, the thoughts I have are like, well, maybe it's because she didn't have any biological children to compare it to. Maybe that's why, because it all just sounds so good and almost too good to be true. Because most adopted parents I talk to, I, I let me phrase it this way. I've never met another adopted parent who has written their story like that or told me their story like that. Yeah. You mean um, they have problems early on? Is that what you're meaning? Yeah, just yeah. really really seeing the difference and knowing very yes. early on that it is different and right, right. Kind of that disruption. And I would say uh, the people that I've interviewed and come in contact with uh, have said, 
when their kids come out of foster care, that is certainly true. Or if there's been, uh, if they get them later in life, you know, they've been placed a lot of different places or even one other place, um, there's disruption early. But with with domestic Caucasian um, <laughs> infant adoptions, it, that's why I didn't think there was going to be any problem. You know, I didn't realize that there was stuff that happens way before, like in the womb. Um, I thought it was a clean slate. Here you are, go home and build your life. And so, and we, that's how we experienced it until we didn't. And so when they were in their early twenties, um, and I started asking people like, wow, what have I missed? You know, and, and I was hearing these stories that were just burn the hair off my head. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I, I guess we skated, you know, and, um, but what I found, I, I read The Primal Wound, the, the book by Nancy Verrier. I think that's how you say her name. And um, she talks about, you know, what goes on in the womb. And so the person, the, the baby grows in this womb. They're at home. They know the smell of the mother, the taste, the dislikes, uh, the ways, you know, just everything about this person. And when they're born and they're placed for adoption, they're looking for the owner of that womb. Um, so in comes the adoptive parent and, you know, thrilled to hold this child and all in 100%. I am your mother. You know, I'm telling them that. And in their infancy, they know intuitively something happened before you. And so it sets up this mistrust, like I'm lying to them because they don't have language to explain what they're feeling. I don't know they're feeling anything, but oh, mommy. <laughs> and so there's no communication because they have no language yet. And But there is this internal mistrust that's set up from the get-go. And um, it just, you know, when I read that, of course, I cried like a baby because I realized I would go back and and realize that there were so many times when one of our children didn't believe me and mistrusted me. And I was almost pronounced guilty before um, before I could, you know, tell her the truth or what happened. I've never lied to either of our children. And I just found it so weird and interesting and just weird. Like, why would you mistrust me? I've given you absolutely no reason to. And so as I'm reading, I'm realizing, oh, wow, you know, kind of going back in time. I missed it back then, even though I kind of went, that's weird. Um, I would never mistrust my parents. And, you know, I mean, most people don't unless you have a reason not to, you know, unless they're lying to you a lot and you find out. But um, so that was a huge thing that kind of made me go, oh, wow. Okay. There's something else uh, going on. And the other thing um, I learned and, and continue to learn is anger outbursts are masking something deeper, many times shame, uh, fear. You know, it's not about the anger. It's not about the behavior at all. Many times it's about what's behind that feeling. And so I don't mean to get ahead of myself, but that's another thing I learned is like, oh, um, you don't, you know, you can't take things at face value. So 
Um, and I, I would say maybe a third big thing I learned was adoptees, for there to be uh, true acceptance in the family and just a, a peaceful camaraderie kind of feeling, um, they have to adopt you back. And, you know, we're all in and they have to come to that realization that I want to be your child. Um, and that comes slow or quick or whatever. It's, it's all different in different families. <clears throat> Never heard it phrased that way before. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced, and so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. Um, I'm intrigued by the work that you do now and how you work with families. Do families call you when they're, I make up that they call you when they're in crisis mode. Is that typically how you see it? Or do you see families kind of getting ahead of the game and preparing and doing family counseling together? Or is this like a mom coming in, in crisis mode typically? Um, typically, yes. I, I, uh, I had a couple just yesterday call from another state uh, first, they emailed me because it's in my book, How to Get a Hold of Me. And they said, we are, we heard from a friend here in this area that you had spoken at the National Adoption Conference to therapists and social workers this June and in St. Louis. And um, we're just, we're desperate. Our family's unraveling. And would you help us? And I was like, wow, okay. I don't even know that friend that they quoted the name, you know, but um, I think it's word of mouth a lot, you know, and what I did for that couple is just said, okay, I've looked at, based on what you've told me, I looked up five therapists in your area who deal with the things that you're dealing with, specifically in adoption. And even going further, you know, adoption is the broad title, but the specifics that they gave me about their family. And so they were thrilled, you know, here's a name and a number and an address in your area. And so sometimes it's just making those connections for people. Um, and then we were able to kind of unpack um, the way they are feeling. And, um, and I was able to say, you're not alone. You know, there's a hundred million Americans impacted by adoption in their immediate families right now. That doesn't count the doctors, the families, uh, you know, friends that support them. These are just a hundred million. That's about a third of the country. And so most people know somebody that's adopted or, you know, that's um, 
a family member or a birth family member. I mean, most people know somebody. So it's, there's a whole lot of us. It's the problem is we're so spread out and that's what I hope to bring the world together a little bit um, through the book and through coaching. And um, I'm about, I'm writing curriculum right now to do an online coaching uh, thing starting this November with another adoptive mom. I'm really excited about, we can do it online so we can include moms and dads from all over the country and uh, just kind of to get the toes wet, you know, to meet other adoptive parents to me, that's just when I want to, you know, hold pinkies and, you know, sit around the fire and go, Hey, you know, we're in this together because um, there is so much encouragement realizing that we are not alone. And when they can meet other couples and get their contact information, I would just, that would be my joy, you know, to connect them. I love that. What is the curriculum? Like how, what does it walk you through? Um, we're going to have, we're going to start out with like a three week, um, once a week, probably hour long um, session. And the curriculum right now is just kind of an intro to the fact that you're not alone. And um, I should, I should have that written down in my notes, but I don't, Uh, like I said, I'm writing it, (laughs) but um, definitely self-compassion. There will be um, a whole thing about self-compassion. That's what I taught at the National Adoption Conference because there is so much burnout and there is actually a term, uh, compassion fatigue. <laughs> and so I'm like, if it's a, a saying, a, a real term, you know, that people are using, that says a lot. There's a lot of us out there that are like, oh, you know, where can I go? Um, and is it selfish to care for myself? You know, that's a big thing. And I would say resoundingly, no, you must, um, you must be full so that you can pour out. You can't pour from an empty cup. So self-compassion is on there. Um, Affirmation and forgiveness. Those are two kind of that sit together. And that's a very, very intro introductory um, session and then we'll have probably a another deep we'll deep dive in a second thing and it will be an hour and a half like a 90 minute session for 4 weeks i hate to keep people strung out on 6 to 8 weeks cuz people you know that's hard but if you can look at your calendar and go yeah i got a month that i can devote to this and um when people are together i i talked with a group in des moines iowa in uh june on my way out to St. Louis and adoptive parents love to be in the same room with adoptive parents, because like I said, it's an isolative job. Um, You're doing good work, but you're isolated. And so when you can get together with others, it's just such a shot in the arm and you gain energy and new inspiration to go on. So that is my passion. (laughs) I want to encourage parents. Well, I'm really excited. You're going to have to tell me when that comes out because that'll be super fun. To okay. To well, my them. website, I'm going to put it on the website, you know, the dates. And uh, we're we're playing with dates right now because we want to stay away from Thanksgiving and all the holidays, you know. But um, before Thanksgiving week is my hope. And um, 
we will be, it'll be on my website, robinhit.com before, you know, probably marketing it in October. So. How about that? Um, So as parents kind of realize, like I, I make up that I would hear the words compassion fatigue and think, "Uh uh-huh, that's me. I'm (laughs) done. Right. What would kind of be your first steps? Like what's a practical something that you would encourage those mamas that are like, yep, that's me. I would say uh, the cheapest, quickest way is to lock yourself in a closet <laughs> and and breathe. You know, take, inhale, hope, exhale, peace. That's just kind of my, you know, and um, and just linger, you know, do that five times. I mean, three is a little short. If the house is burning, you can't do that. But, you know, you anybody can step away. It's free. Air is free. And um, and just those moments to collect so that we don't dysregulate and then, you know, have to mess on our kids and ask forgiveness later. <laughs> it's wow. easier to go in the closet and just say, I need a minute. And that is a way of taking care of ourselves. And it's inexpensive. <laughs> In fact, it's free. Um, but just re- just learning to step away and and just collect our own emotions, you know, and and ask ourselves the questions: What am I feeling right now? And because that's what I would encourage us to do with our kids, you know, they just wrecked a holiday. They've sabotaged, you know, a birthday party. They have thrown uh, something and broken a family heirloom, whatever it is, or punched a hole in the wall, whatever it is. Um, you know, it, it's so easy to react. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy. And and probably, you know, the better thing is just to say, stop right now and sit down. And then me as a parent, go collect myself before I even try to deal with anything. Um, that is a form of self-compassion because we're not going to be able to help them if we're like spinning, you know, ourselves. So that that's number one. Um, another thing is to try to, you know, sit with them. Um, I know connected child has said this a lot instead of like spanking or, you know, grounding them forever, (laughs) Uh, or throwing them in their room and closing the door, you know, bring them close and talk about what just happened. You know, um, I see that you're really angry. Um, what's behind that? And, you know, it, oftentimes it's completely different than what we think it is. It might be masking and it takes a while to drill down to what's really going on. A lot of times, you know, I mean, a 25 year old can be angry and they're really just ashamed that they're not where they think they should be mm-hmm. uh, as adults, you know, and who can they tell that to? And so if we come alongside them and say, you know, this is a safe place and I want, I want to sit here with you until we kind of can get to the real, the real deal. What's behind what just happened. Um, why can't you move forward? Now, if you're talking about a younger child, I I am a big fan of the color wheel of emotion. 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but a lot of people are. You can get them for free online. I used to have one on my website that I was giving out away. If you, yes, very perfect. I see you have one. <laughs> I have a pillow behind me. I don't know if you can see oh, that. Oh, awesome. I love that. I saw that recently in a therapy office uh, when I met the ther- one of the therapists that um, I interviewed for the book. And I thought, oh, I love this. Anyway, yes, um, walk them through how they're feeling and what's behind that. A, a thing, a word to stay away from is why. Because it's um, it's sort of a, an aggressive, you know, stance. And, you know, why did you do that? You know, why? And I mean, that's really probably not going to get our desired outcome if we start at it with why. But more uh, as a coach, I'm saying, you know, start with what and how. What's behind that? I see that, you know, you you can make an observation. I see that you just broke that. Um, let's talk about it. Come over here. And this is after we're collected, of course. <laughs> and then, you know, we can talk with them about what what's going on. And um, it's not a quick thing. It's usually they don't have an idea what's going on. And so you have to kind of help them. Um, that's why I think the color wheel is so good. And I can't tell you how many times when we disciplined one of our children, um, I would ask her, now, what did you hear me say? And it was completely different from what I said. And she was like spinning out of control. Like, well, that means, you know, you're really ashamed of me. And I mean, it was always a super negative thing. And I was like, that's what you heard. Let's try this again. So, I mean, I would literally, one time I repeated myself three times before she could parrot back to me what I actually said. So sometimes it's not a quick process, but <laughs> it's yeah. worth it. And even like the example that you gave of breaking a family heirloom, we didn't have that, but we had a throwing, we've had many throwing a rock through a glass door that we have glasses everywhere and you know of course my immediate response yeah like whatever but I'm like the rest of the day like talking about that moving towards like I know cognitively that that's what I'm supposed to do and that's how I'm supposed to respond um and that's the first thing knowing how we're supposed to (laughs) yes but then (laughs) Then also I get there (laughs) giving yourself the compassion that I'm also going to be human in this yeah I've got to find a door person now and I've got to clean up all this glass and interrupted my day and all of those things right so I was pretty much the whole day that was like I cannot talk to you right now I'm so angry that I cannot talk right now yeah Um, which is good you know it's it's you're taking inventory of yourself and it's better that you know we're not robots I mean I think our kids sometimes think we are (laughs) or should be or maybe we're, they think we're perfect, you know, but newsflash, we're not. And we need some time. So, yeah, if you can't, if you can't really uh, get there to a good place to talk, then just postpone the talk. Yeah. And that's <laughs> okay. Break. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's I think that we read all these adoption books and hear all these things and it's like, crap, wine well, never responded perfectly to this. And it just kind of perpetuates the shame. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, while we're on shame, I just want to say that everybody has shame. It comes at us when we least expect. 
And that's why the emotion wheel is so important because we can detect it earlier. It, the more astute we are, the more literate we are with our emotions, the more we can teach our kids to become emotionally literate. And when you are, you can not only spot things earlier, but you can respond differently quicker. And it's just a, it's a great tool. But yes, we all have shame and it knocks on our door, you know, sometimes comes in the door before we even realize we let it in. But there are ways to deal with shame and um, and self-compassion is one of those things. So because we're not going to do it right every time. In fact, you know, we need to celebrate our wins. <laughs> so, yes. Agreed. Yeah. Robin, is there anything else that you would want to encourage mamas with? Is there kind of walking this journey and if they may be struggling at the moment, is there anything that you would encourage them with? Yeah, I would say uh, you're doing a great job. Every day you decide to show up and be present in your kids' lives, you've won. Uh, There are some moms who have chosen to just leave. It's too hard. Some dads. And that never ends well. Um, But anytime you can show up, and uh, even if you're tired, even if, if you don't do it right that day, know that you're not the only one in the room. There's a whole lot going on inside your child that you can't legislate. Uh, You can't make it change. You know, we can just navigate and be present with them in their struggles. And so part of it is just knowledge, you know, what we're dealing with. And then number two is letting ourselves off the hook for, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right every time. I think asking forgiveness is super important. I've heard from my 33-year-old, um, I think it was last year, Mom, I, I'm so thankful that you and Dad modeled asking forgiveness, that that covered all of your mistakes in my life. And I was like, wow, affirmation, thank you, high five. So that's a big thing. Um, the humility, you know, I think it models too for our kids. See, we're not perfect either. And it's okay to ask forgiveness and look what unity brings, you know, I mean, when we can forgive each other in our humanity, um, it helps them be okay with their humanity. (laughs) And um, the world's a better place, you know, when we can accept our humanity. Um, So I've, I've learned a lot um, through the Brene Brown stuff and, you know, I'm certified in her work and we do workshops. Uh, I do it with another colleague on shame, shame, resilience, courage, wholehearted living and vulnerability. Um, And so I just feel like, yes, we must. I mean, that's, we have to let ourselves off the hook. We're not going to get it right every time. Um, Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on today and for encouraging us and sharing your wisdom with us. I'm excited to share your book and your course and all the things. So thank you so much, Robin. Yes. Thank you. Open-Eyed Adoption is the book and it's uh, available in bookstores everywhere. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.